You're listening to the Paleo NP Podcast, episode 21. Welcome to the Paleo NP Podcast. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and creator of MarthaFlorence.com. I live in Anchorage, Alaska with my boyfriend and fur children. I'm here to share my take on integrative health, nutrition, and fitness, answer your questions, and talk with health and wellness experts. You can submit your questions at MarthaFlorence.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome back to another episode of the Paleo NP Podcast. This episode is coming out late and I apologize. It's been a weird and busy week, so I'm a little bit behind and I've actually been waiting to record this all afternoon, but my neighbors are having their lawn mowed and the leaves blown off of it. So it's been really loud around here. So they're still working on that. So I apologize if you can hear that in the background, but I just couldn't wait any longer. So a couple of things before I jump into this week's topic. Um, I'm still working on an adrenal fatigue recovery mistakes episode, but it ended up taking way more time than I thought it would. So I'll record that one in the next week or two, but it's still coming, just not this week. And as far as something new that I'm into, and I'm really embracing my inner nerd here, this week I'm really into spreadsheets. And not just any spreadsheets, but one spreadsheet in particular. And that is my newly created training log spreadsheet. And I've always been a total numbers geek when it comes to training and exercise. And I don't want you to think that that means that I'm a stellar athlete because that's not at all the case. I'd say that I'm pretty average, maybe even a little bit below average, but I love data and I, lo- I find it fascinating to correlate what the numbers say to what is happening and how I was feeling. Anyway, a few days ago, there was a local news story about cross-country skier Keegan Randall and her training spreadsheet. So Keegan became an Olympic gold medalist in cross-country skiing this year um, at the Olympics, and she's actually from Anchorage, Alaska, which is where I'm from and currently live, and we went to high school together, so that's fun. And that's why there was a new story about any, her anyway, is because she's from here. So she's retiring from racing this year, but the story was talking about how she has tracked every single minute of the training that she's done since she first started racing at a national and international level. And that really piqued my interest, and I decided to make my own spreadsheet. Again, I have no aspiration of becoming an Olympian, but I thought it would be really interesting to actually put all of the data that I have in one place, since most of the apps and programs out there just don't do a great job of graphing and showing comparisons from year to year. The exception to that might be training peaks, but I'm not really interested in paying $120 a year for that right now. So I'll do it myself. It's been a total athlete nerd fest over here for the past couple of days, and I couldn't be happier about it. So getting into this week's topic, I thought that since we've been talking a lot of science lately that I would do something a little bit different this week. So when it comes to life, there isn't really one area that's necessarily separate from another. It might not be immediately obvious, but things like work and health and happiness and relationships and so on are all connected. They all have an impact on each other. So when one area is suffering or isn't optimal, the other areas also suffer. So I wanna talk about five investments that you can make in yourself and that will get you the most bang for your buck as far as improving your life overall. 
So the first one, and this one is probably pretty obvious to most of you, but the first area you need to invest in is your physical health. Think about the last time that you got sick and how that impacted other areas of your life. Chances are that you had decreased productivity at work and maybe your relationship suffered or they were strained because you had to stay home sick and you were probably pretty unhappy and stressed out about the whole situation, maybe depending on how sick you were or how long you were sick for. So your health is quite literally the engine for the rest of your life. If you're too sick to get out of bed, you can't do anything else. Or if you do get out of bed, you're definitely not going to be functioning as well as you would be if you weren't sick. Some things that you can do to invest in your health, and these are not going to be new or different if you've been listening to this podcast at all for the last few months, um, but the, a few things that you can do are getting enough sleep, eating a nutrient-dense diet, and making sure that you're moving your body every day. You need to be getting at least seven hours of sleep every night, and if you can, really, eight or nine is better. And thanks to my handy dandy new spreadsheet, I know that currently in 2018, my average hours of sleep per night is exactly 8.0. And I'm pretty proud of that considering that this is something that I tell almost everyone that I work with is to get enough sleep or to get at least eight hours of sleep if they can. Sleep affects your mood. It affects your physical health, your mental health, and your relationships. Some relatively easy things that you can do to improve your sleep quality and duration are to invest in a good mattress, which is one of those things that you don't often realize is impacting your sleep until you get a new one. Um, decrease the amount of time you spend staring at a screen, especially in the last hour or two before bed. If you absolutely need to have screen time in the evening, invest in a pair of blue light blocking glasses, which will help reduce the impact this that the blue light has on you, but these are not a substitute for an overall reduction in screen time. Also, make sure that your room is completely dark, and we've talked about this one recently. I live in Alaska where it's light all night long, all summer long, so if I can make my room dark, so can you. And be sure to keep your bedroom cool, which helps to signal your body that it's time to wind down and go to sleep. When it comes to physical health, your diet is critically important. Again, you know this if you listen to this podcast. The food you eat is like the gas that you put in your car. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the paleo diet, but it can be more simple than that. Eat dessert only when you really want to. Don't eat pastries and sugary things for breakfast. Pay attention to the food you eat and the way it makes you feel. If you feed your body with garbage, you're probably going to get garbage out. I'm not going to dwell on this point because, as I said, if you listen to this podcast for even just a few episodes, then you know the importance of diet. But I will link to a few episodes in the show notes that you can go back to if you need some ideas on how to clean up your diet and start putting premium fuel into your car instead of trying to put diesel into a car that takes unleaded gas. If you're a physically active person, then you know that exercise improves your physical health and other areas of your life too. If you're motivated to get up early and go for a run or a walk, you'll probably tend to go to bed earlier so it's easier to get up in the morning, which means you're probably getting more sleep. If you're paying attention to the way that food makes you feel, that becomes amplified when you correlate it to your exercise performance or even just how you feel when you exercise. And I think that exercise is really a great tool to help us learn how to listen to our bodies. There have been more than a few times in my life when I've stopped exercising consistently and getting started again is always a challenge. So if you don't already have a solid exercise habit, then I'd suggest finding some friends to exercise with. This has been my strategy to get back into the swing of training lately and I think it works great. 
I have a few people who I make plans with throughout the week to go running. I have a punch pass with an expiration date at a gym that I go to with my friends for weight training circuit classes twice a week. I have a swim training group that I go to, and these things together keep me moving almost daily. Exercise also has a ripple effect on the rest of your life, whether you believe it or not. When you start taking care of your physical self, you look better, feel better, and accomplish more in almost all areas of your life. If you're someone who really hates exercise, I would suggest finding some sort of athletic or physical hobby. It doesn't have to be that in order to exercise, you go to the gym or go for a run. You can go for a bike ride with your kids or go for a walk, start doing yoga, take up swimming or surfing if you live in a place where that's an option. The point is to simply move your body with or without an agenda several times per week. So the second investment to make in yourself is in your mental health. Your state of mind is incredibly valuable in all areas of your life, but in order to keep it as an asset, you need to invest some time and energy into it. Some of the most successful people in the world have become that way by investing in their mindset and their mental health. Some ways that you can make this investment are to start going to therapy or counseling if you feel like you need to talk your way through some things with an impartial third party. I actually can't think of anyone that wouldn't benefit from therapy, even if it seems like you don't really need it. In fact, the people who think that they don't need it are often those who benefit the most from it. Meditation is a cheap way to invest in your mental health, and it has an incredibly high value return. Yes, it's a practice, and yes, it takes time to develop the skill, but in just a few minutes per day, you can decrease anxiety, improve your focus, and become a happier and more calm person. If you suffer from depression or anxiety, you might also benefit from medication, and I don't say this lightly. I've been on antidepressants, and at the time, they were absolutely necessary, but they also come with some side effects that aren't necessarily desirable. But those are the costs and benefits that you'd need to weigh with your healthcare provider. But I do think that it's worth mentioning here because there is often a lot of stigma and judgment from people surrounding the issue of medication in general, but specifically those that benefit your mental health. And sometimes, for some people, medication is just the right choice, and that's perfectly okay. Also, remember that many of the practices that benefit your mental health are just that, practices. That means that they require time and practice to get right in order for them to have a benefit. You aren't going to meditate once, write a gratitude list, and suddenly become a different person. Those changes happen slowly over time as you make these things part of your daily routine. Investment number three is your relationships. In a world where we do so much from behind a computer screen, it can be hard to remember to have actual contact with actual people. And not just in the I went to the grocery store and talked to the cashier kind of way, but actually sitting down with someone and having a conversation and really connecting with them. Human connection is important to health. One study showed that a lack of social connection is a greater indicator of health than obesity, smoking, and high blood pressure and that strong social connections can lead to up to a 50% increase in longevity. Having meaningful relationships decreases anxiety, depression, improves immune function, and raises self-esteem. I'm no relationship expert, but there are a couple of things I wanted to point out about how you can make sure that you're truly nurturing your relationships, because this isn't always easy. The first is to listen. People love to be heard. So while you may want to talk through something yourself with a friend or a family member, listen first. And by listen, I don't mean sit there and think of what you're going to say next while the other person is talking. I mean, focus on what they're saying and really try to understand it. Ask follow-up questions. 
when you do this, the person you're listening to will value your presence and it usually leads to them asking for your thoughts on things and then being willing to listen to you in return. This sounds so silly, but I feel like we just don't listen to each other anymore these days. I'm just as guilty of this as anyone else, but it's something that I'm actively working on. The other important thing to mention about relationships is that you need to be willing to apologize when you mess up. Think about this in the context of how you feel when other people make mistakes and pass the blame on. Did it make you think any more highly of them or did it annoy the crap out of you? I've observed this time and time again, mostly online, but someone says something that's harmful to someone else, and when they get called out for it, rather than simply saying, I'm sorry, they skirt around the issue or pass the blame onto others. This doesn't build solid relationships. Accept responsibility, apologize, and do better next time. Investment number four that you should make in yourself is learning new things and improving on old things. I think we tend to get confused between learning and education. In my mind, education is more finite and has an endpoint, at least in the formal sense. Like you go to school, you get a degree, and that's your education. But learning should never stop. Learning doesn't have to be expensive or complicated. You can get books from your local library for free or even pretty cheap on a place like Amazon. Pick a mix of topics and be sure to try a few that you don't think you necessarily are interested in because you might be surprised what you learn. One of the most memorable examples I can think of this is we were in Vermont visiting my boyfriend's dad and I picked up a book called The Secret Life of Lobsters. Now, I've never really been interested in lobsters before. I think they taste good, but I wouldn't say that I ever really wanted to learn more about them. That book turned out to be one of the most interesting nonfiction books I've ever read. Lobsters are fascinating, and I had no idea until I read the book. Podcasts, such as this one, are another great free way to learn new things. I'll be sure to put a few links to my favorite podcasts that you can learn something new from in the show notes. I listen to podcasts while I'm doing things like cleaning the house, driving, or cooking dinner. It's a great way to learn, but doesn't require that you be able to sit down and do something like read. Online courses are another great way to learn new things. You can find free and paid courses all over the internet. I know that some Ivy League schools even offer some of their paid course content for free to the public via online courses or podcasts. I'll try to find the link to the Lifehacker article from a few years ago that talks about some of this because I think it had a lot of good suggestions in it. To some people, it might not seem obvious why this is beneficial to you, but remember how in high school you participated in all of the activities so that you could get into a good college because colleges wanted well-rounded students? Well, life is no different after college, unfortunately. When you learn new things and improve on skills and knowledge you already have, you become a more well-rounded person. And you never know when something new that you learned might actually come in useful in a place where you didn't think it would. A diverse range of knowledge also helps you to be able to connect and find common ground with a bigger variety of people, and it helps you to have a better understanding of the world around you. Pretty much everything I know about nutrition as it relates to health is something that I've learned on my own, and if I hadn't discovered that I was interested in this stuff by reading random articles on the internet, I wouldn't be here today. So you never know where learning will lead you. Investment number five is your environment. Whether it's the physical space you live in, your clothes, or the car that you drive, this is important. The space you live and work in has an impact on the way you feel and on your behavior. If it's messy and cluttered, you will be more likely to get distracted. I'm glad you guys can't see my desk right now. If it doesn't inspire you, you'll feel drained and less likely to get things done. 
Your car doesn't have to be fancy or expensive, but keeping it clean or organized can have an impact on how you feel. Remember, it's all connected. If your car is messy and cluttered, you might avoid going places or giving people rides, or you might feel more stress when you're driving because it's such a mess. I recently had this experience with the outside of my car. It was so dirty that I got really stressed out every time I had to get in or out of it because I kept getting dirt on my pants. Finally, I took the time to just wash it, and now I feel so much better. As far as your physical appearance goes, have you ever had the experience of putting on a nice but comfortable outfit and suddenly feeling like you could take on the world? Again, your clothes don't need to be expensive, but you should feel good in them. When I started working from home, one of the things that I had to start doing was getting dressed in the morning before I sit down to work. Sure, I love working in my pajamas, but I actually found that I was way more productive if I made myself wash my face, fix my hair, and get dressed as though I was leaving the house. Usually, I'm wearing yoga pants on the bottom, so it's not exactly like I would be leaving the house, but it makes me feel like I'm ready to be professional instead of just like I'm messing around on the internet. I'm not huge on makeup, though since discovering Beauty Counter, I've been enjoying putting on eyeshadow, mascara, and lipstick far more than I ever have. It sounds totally weird, but it's true. Anyway, I've never been big on wearing makeup, but again, since I started working from home, I found that when I leave the house for errands, I feel much better about myself if I put on some mascara and lipstick before I go out. If you need new clothes but hate shopping, there are plenty of services that will send you boxes of clothes for you to try on and only keep what you love. Stitch Fix and Trunk Club are two of my favorites, and I'll link to those in the show notes. When I graduated from nurse practitioner school, I had a moment of panic when I realized that I had to go from wearing scrubs and sweats as I had for the last six years of my life to actually looking professional. And I value comfort over most things when it comes to clothes, so I had no idea how I was going to be comfortable and look like you should take me seriously. So I actually stocked up on clothes from Stitch Fix and Trunk Club, and for a few hundred dollars, I now have a wardrobe that I love and that makes me feel good. All right, so that's it. This week's episode is a little bit shorter, but I hope that you found these things useful. As obvious or silly as it may seem, investing in yourself in these five areas will help you look and feel better, have better relationships, and accomplish more. And chances are they will in turn help you to be happier and love your life more. As always, if you enjoyed this week's episode, I'd love it if you'd leave me a rating a rating or a review in iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, or even share an episode with your friend or family member who you think might find it useful. If you have a question that you'd like me to answer here, shoot me an email or come ask me on whatever my most recent Instagram post is. There's also a submit question form on my website. Show notes from this episode will be available at www.marthaflorence.com slash episode 21. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week.